All right, are you ready for a cast-heavy episode, Planet of Mine? I'm here with Michael Malice. Uh, he is a writer, television commentator, and the author of many books, including Dear Reader, the unauthorized autobiography of Kim Jong-il, and the host of the show that makes Grammar Nazis twitch. You're welcome, Y-O-U-R, welcome, with Michael Malice on Compound Media. The website is michaelmalice.com and Compound Media, of course, Compound Media.com, Mike, how you doing today? What's new? Uh, uh, mixed. All right. Um, you got to help me here. Like, like just, just help me out, because why the fuck am I still shocked by this stuff? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm checking the news, as flagellatingly I am wont to do on occasion. I, I'm checking the news, and I see a picture of a somewhat satanic and vaguely evilly pretty, I guess, Korean woman named King Yo Jung. And I'm like, oh, who's this? And and they seem to be reporting about her glowingly. She's stealing the show. She is in a a wine red jacket, and she is on a charm offensive, and she's taking soul by storm. And I'm like, wow, this who 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 is this? And I read a little further down. It's like, no, 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 no. Do not want. Do not want. It is. It is his. The monstrous sister himself, Kim Jong-un's sister, is in Seoul, of course, for, for the Olympics. And they're speaking of her like she's a Kardashian without a sex tape. And I cannot for the life, like, even that seems like a bridge too far. Like, what the hell is going on in these organizations that this murder witch who presides propaganda style over gulags that are destroying lives by the hundreds of thousands and they're like, but she looks great in chiffon. Right. What? What was your reaction to to seeing this stuff? I I I think it was exactly the same, but maybe amped a little even more, because when I started doing my work with North Korea, one of my big goals, which has somewhat been accomplished, is to have people in the press stop perceiving them as a sideshow and realizing these are slaves. And if your children were held hostage and someone put a gun to your head, you'd march down that parade and you'd sing the songs and you'd cry those tears just like everybody else. So they had been, I know back in the day during the Cold War, when the idea was the Soviet Union is going to be around forever, psychologically, you're going to say, make excuses for them because it's going to be cognitively easier to say, well, if these people are going to be around forever, maybe they're not as bad as we think. It'll make us feel easier about appeasement. Maybe I can wrap my head around this. North Korea is different. They have not been making excuses or apologetics for North Korea for a very long time. Um, so to see her being reported, though, I tweeted out, they're talking about her like she's a candidate on fucking Celebrity Big Brother. It was stunning and 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 shocking to me, especially there was one tweet. I, I forget the guy's first name. His last name is Bump. And he goes, look at her giving side eye to Mike Pence. You know, like she's some kind of sassy drag queen. First of all, she wasn't even giving him side eye, number one. And number two is... This is someone with blood in her hands. For her to be staring down the American vice president, that's not sassy. That is threatening and dangerous. And let's remember, this nation last summer was threatening to new Guam. They're saying, we're going to send our missiles to Guam. We just got to fit it into our schedule. They were saying this brazenly and openly. And now, like you're saying, it's like, oh, my goodness, she's in Seoul. Like, work that runway, sister. It's like, are, are, you, are you people demented? It is astonishing to me. I mean, this is a, a guy feverishly developing nukes who's got massive amounts of conventional weaponry po po like aimed at, pointed at uh, the, what is it, 50,000-odd U.S. troops uh, along the 
southern border. I mean, this is a guy who starves to death, beats, tortures, and kills. Boy, I mean, you think he's bad to his citizens. Try being a family member. You know, I mean, this is a true crime family that has an entire country under the heel of its murderous mafioso tactics. And I cannot fathom. I cannot, like, even by leftist standards, this groveling and praise on this murder harpy is something I just, what what do they know that we don't know about how they can get away with this, Mike? Like, what do they know that we don't know? Because this would be the death of anyone uh, outside of the media. Well, here, I'll make another point. Like, it's not, there's lots of leftists who are completely on the level with stuff like this. If you look at things like Amnesty International, Doctors Without Borders, Reporters Without Borders, these are lefty organizations that genuinely care about human rights. It's the corporate press and the ignorant people there who have no kind of framework for understanding what's good and what's bad that are the real villains here. I think there's many, many principled left. The the, one of the most important books I think ever written, The Black Book of Communism, which goes through nation by nation and just spells out the atrocities. That was written by lefties. So, I mean, there are plenty of people on the left who just think this stuff is an abomination. So to see the people in the press who are supposed to be informed and knowledgeable for them to be like, again, treating her, like you said, like a Kardashian or like, I mean, th- I mean, let's talk about this family and what they've done. Uh, Kim Jong-un killed his eldest brother because by law under North Korea's Ten Commandments, only a descendant of the great leader Kim Il-sung can be uh, the leader. So if you kill your brother, there's no Mike Pence. So that's an insurance policy. His aunt, Kim Hyung-wee, drove her daughter to suicide for marrying or having a boyfriend below her station. So death is part and parcel of how this family works, even with their own. So, you know, uh, when Rand, I, I think I've mentioned this before, in the 1950s was testifying before Congress. And one of these congressmen asked her about, you know, life under, she left in 26 under Lenin, what life was like there. She's like, don't they visit their in-laws? And she goes, it's impossible for me to explain to a free people what it's like to live in these kind of nations. And frankly, it's a good thing that you don't understand when you live in a country where human life means nothing and you know it. When you're in North Korea, you know your life means nothing and that at any moment, anyone, all those people who are North Korea in Seoul now cheering, they are all watched and their families are back home in, in, in North Korea. And if anything happens to them, it is their family that will pay the price. So this is how these people work. This is worse than we've seen even with Stalin. Right. And Nazism itself, you were free to leave. Up until the Second World War, you could get up and pack up and go. And this is a barbed wire fence around the entire prison complex known as North Korea. You cannot get out. I was reminded of some of the leftist comments about Jai Seong Ho, the guy who was at uh, uh, the State of the Union. Uh, Just for those who don't know the backstory of this incredible man. So he's a starving teenager. And there was, of course, a terrible famine, as we talked about last time in the 1990s. So he tried to steal coal from a railroad car. And let me interrupt. This famine was intentional, just like Stalin. They refused to let food go into this country. And one to two million people starved in the 90s for no other reason that the government wanted to maintain its hold on power. This was entirely avoidable. Yep. So... He tries to steal coal from a railroad car, and he passes out on the train tracks because he's exhausted from hunger. 
And this is how bad it is. He can't even steal food. He can only steal coal, which I guess he would hope to trade for food. So he woke up because a train ran over his limbs and he had multiple amputations without anesthetic. He recalled the sound of the saw cutting through my leg bone. And he didn't get any prosthetics, uh, arm and leg, until he got to South Korea. His brother and sister gave the little bit of food that they have to help him recover, and they ate dirt themselves, which permanently stunted their own growth. This guy walked 6,000 miles on crutches to defect to South Korea, crossing from China into Laos through Burma and Thailand, and finally making it to South Korea in July 2006. Most of his family followed, but his father didn't make it. And there was, uh, we saw, uh, those who haven't seen, it's worth looking up, the horrifying video of an unbelievably scarecrow-like skinny North Korean soldier who was running full tilt boogie to try and get out of yeah. uh, North North Korea. And um, there was some medical issue he had in his stomach. I can't remember exactly it was to do with extreme uh, hunger and, and his uh, immune system was compromised. I mean, to call it a prison country is an insult to prisons because in prison you right. usually get three hearts in a cot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the stories like this are infinite. One of the... Uh, I don't want to say best, but one of the positive externalities of this famine was that the guards who were guarding the borders were too hungry, so you could bribe them and you could get out of Dodge and and you'll trade with China, but then they locked even that down. So, I I mean, the levels of of sickness and deprivation these people go through is something that we can't begin to wrap our heads around in the West. Uh, His story is not at all unique. He's one of the lucky ones. Uh, you know, very often these people get sent to the camps and, you know, amputation is the rule of the day. But, he, he, you know, when people ask me why I care so much about North Korea, and I, as you know, I've been there, and, and the one anecdote which, you know, haunts me, and, and it, it's, it, it, it really does, because they take you to a school, they took us to a school and it was fake, and these were all the kids of the elite, and the boys were dressed in the little military uniforms, and the girls were very well dressed, adorable children. And when you hear these children's chest colds and how they cough, and you, you hear chest colds in the West that you don't think twice about it. These kids don't have medicine, and these are the wealthy ones. And for no reason, the medicine is there outside of North Korea. The people are wealthy. They are not allowed to purchase it. Uh, when they have syringes, you know, he had no amputation. A lot of these syringes are rusty because they don't, have, they don't produce new syringes, so they have to reuse them. I mean, we saw the dental station at the hospital that they're very proud of. It was rust everywhere. I mean, it, it's just this. And again, this is what they're showing off to us. So and again, there's no reason for this to happen other than this family maintaining their hold on power. Well, and both uh, the dictator and his sister, it's not like they've never seen anything different. They were both educated outside of, of North Korea right. in, in Switzerland, I, I think it was. So they've seen the free market West or the remnants of it. They've seen what uh, rational price allocations and free trade can do. They, they have no excuse. It's not like they've never leave, never left and, and don't see what has gone on in the rest of the world. I'd be happy getting into the China level. I don't need them to even be, be a liberal. I'm serious. I don't need a liberal democracy. I just want them to have food, roads, and a passport and internal migration. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to be a Galt's Gulch. I mean, then, you know what I mean? Like at a yeah, certain yeah. point, it's like you can only do so much. Baby so steps, th- right? So let, I mean, let's look at some of yeah. these actual new, news items, just because people may think that we are uh, stretching or I'm stretching what it is that's going on. All right. So the, the first thing is, is Mike Pence. So this is from AP Sports. The latest, Mike, Vice President Mike Pence and his wife did not stand for the combined Korean team's entrance. The White House official says Pence stood only for the U.S. team, despite other people in the box standing and applauding when athletes from the 
two other Korean Koreas walked in together. Now, I mean, the level of bullshit in this is so ridiculous and, and so obvious. A couple of things <laughs> jump out. First of all, if Pence had stood up and clapped for all of the teams, he would have been criticized for clapping for some country that the left thought was bad. And uh, second of all, um, wasn't the left just defending the right of, of people like Colin Kaepernick and so on to, to not stand uh, at, at sporting events? Uh, and also, I don't know if you saw this, there were tweets of, of Mike Pence and his wife looking very solemn uh, and so on. And, and the leftists were tweeting out, oh, oh they look fun. And, and a guy would say, well, I, I've tried to look this unhappy. I just can't. You know, it just makes them look dour and negative. And then when you zoom out from the picture, they're just leaving a concentration camp in Germany. Uh, and again, this is just, it's completely uh, mental and nitpicking and double standards. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I, and I do think this is recent. Because I don't think this level of uh, whatever this is going on happened before. I mean, I know, again, back in the day, there, was defending, there were people defending Stalin, Mao, so on and so forth. But this idea that, like, we have to lose any excuse to attack Pence. And, you know, again, if we're going we're gonna to leverage uh, uh, Kim Jong-un and his ilk as a means to do that, we're going to do that. I, I don't think that, I, in my personal experience, I don't think it was this way under Obama. I don't even think it was this way under Bush. Uh, so it is very, very creepy um, and disturbing. Um, so, I, I mean, and frankly, I don't even know what to say about it. Because, I, and to, you know, what, I'll just say one more point. It was fucking BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. Oh, the moral conscience of the world now rests on yes. BuzzFeed. And they were like, hey, hey, before you guys start standing over Kim Jong-un's sister, that was the headline. Think about what you're doing. Yeah. And they took them to task. So I am I am very pleased with this, that how quickly social media has led the backlash. And all day yesterday on Twitter especially, people were hitting these outlets very hard, very extensively all day. And I saw it from all over uh, the political spectrum. And I was very uh, glad to see that happen. You could not beg on knees for a better gift in the culture wars because this will never, ever leave their orbit, what they have done over the last right. day or two. So let's CNN. Kim Jong-un's sister is stealing the show at the Winter Olympics. Ooh, that is right. stealing. Okay, well, I guess that makes her a thief. But okay, so yeah, murder guy's murder sister is stealing the show at the Winter Olympics. And it, that's fawning. That's positive. That's Princess Dai shit. Washington Post, the Ivanka Trump of North Korea captivates people in the South. Okay, don't don't talk about this woman captivating people because I think it means something quite different for her. And associating her with Ivanka Trump, sweet mother of all that's holy. I mean, that's such a complex mindfuck, that whole title, because they hate Ivanka Trump. So equating her with this woman is obviously negative towards Ivanka Trump, but then they're saying she's positive because she's captivating people in the South. Do you know why they're paying attention for her to her? Because her being there means there's not likely to be some horrible missile attack on the Olympics. So they're kind of relieved that she's there. She's not captivating them. Yeah, let me make two points. One of which is this was the first and I would bet only time in my life that I ever felt bad for Ivanka Trump because I'm not a, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm serious. I'm not a big fan of hers, but you can imagine her reading the newspaper and being compared to her. She's like, what did I ever do that I'm I'm being compared the, the uh, Kim Yo-jung, her job is head of the propaganda and agitation department in North Korea. That was Kim Jong-il's job right before he took over the leadership position. That's the stepping stone. So for her to be in charge of brainwashing an entire nation, listen, Ivanka Trump has not been very persuasive. So to kind of put her and, and that in the same camp, I think 
unfortunate choice of words, is really, really uh, um, terrible. So, and let's talk about something else, the 1988 Olympics. In the 1988 Olympics, North Korea wanted to co-host. Seoul said no, and they blew up a passenger plane and killed over 100 people on board. And this is what got them the state sponsor of terrorism list. They placed a bomb on the plane, and two of their agents didn't uh, reboard uh, when they had a layover. So, I mean, again, sassy and whatever. These people wanted the Olympics to be destroyed uh, not that long ago. And this was that same family. This isn't, you know, Woodrow Wilson 100 years ago. This was Kim Jong-un's father. Yeah. Okay, Yahoo. All swagger and smiles, Kim Jong-un's mysterious sister gets her star turn at Winter Olympics. And they but also referred to her Kim Yo-jong, North Korea's political princess. Princess. This is not an episode of fucking Frozen, people. This is a murder queen of death. Uh, this is like uh, something cadaverous and Dantean come to life to cast its shadow across the lifespan of millions of North Koreans. Political princess? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I, <laughs> BBC, Kim Jong-un's sister. Sweet, but with a tomboy streak. It's like, no, no, that's not a tomboy Wait, streak. That's that? somebody's arterial blood across her lap. That's not it, a tomboy streak. It really said that? Yeah. She's sweet. Don't you know? She'll, I'll, I'll keep going because, you know, I can see that I'm stealing your will to live. All right. Associated no. Press. At Olympic Games, King Jong-un's sister takes VIP seat. Think progress. Despite Mike Pence's sabotage, North Korea's charm offensive appears to be working. Mike, you see, this is the problem. Mike Pence is sabotaging her charm offensive. See, she's just being out there charming and, and, and wonderful. Like He's just sabotaging her. As princesses are wont to do. What, what's wrong uh, with him? He's sabotaging there, her. There is, there's a Twitter account I love called Comfortably Smug, and he pointed out the only people that she seems to have charmed are members of the Western media. No one else is falling for this shit. And I'm going to say one more thing, actually, why this is actually not working in North Korea's favor. For a very long time, until now, the North Korean family, uh, the Kim family, is regarded as kind of supernatural entities, right? It's almost like Uncle Sam. We didn't know, you didn't, in North Korea, you didn't discuss Kim Jong-un's wife or children. People didn't think of him as a human being who does things like this. So to have that family humanized, here's Kim Jong-un's wife, here's Kim Jong-un's sister, to see them as human beings, that very much takes away a large part of the regime because the regime's uh, mythology is based on we're this divine family, divine right of kings. You know, we go back thousands of years, so on and so forth. But now to be like, hey, we're a political dynasty, that is a very different dynamic. And that is an opportunity for the North Korean population to be like, wait a minute, if this guy can't literally walk on water like supposedly the great leader Kim Il-sung can do, why the fuck are my children starving for him? <laughs> It's also interesting to me, Mike, that uh, in the lead up, and of course, since Trump's election, the, the left have been extraordinarily concerned about Trump's dictatorship. You see, right. the fact that he is a fascist and a Nazi and literally Hitler, right. they've been just terrified of dictatorship. T turns out, funny fucking story, they're not actually that bothered by a real dictatorship. So the fact that they keep talking about Trump's dictatorship loses just a little bit of credibility for me. I just, just wanted to point that out. All right. Yeah. And Ah, uh, Yeet Here, senior editor of the New Republic. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you need to put on a crash helmet and no, a hazmat suit? No, but he was the worst of them all. There we go. He said, 
Do you realize how massively you have to fuck up so that King Jong-un's family looks good by comparison, but Trump and Pence have pulled it off? See, he's just observing. He's not injecting anything. He's not putting any... He's just an impartial observer about how Trump and Pence look worse than the murderous ex-communist dictators in North Korea. You know, and I'll say one more thing. I've had people respond to me on Twitter being like, oh, they're just, it's just like the Democrats. It's like, if you think Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are comparable to this Kim family, you, there's something wrong with you. This is night and day. There's a big difference between being some kind of social Democrat, Norwegian politician, and someone who wants the gulag. And well, who is it, just t- it tells me, it tells me that this is gulag. how much the left loves gulags. As long as their enemies are in it, they just, they love that shit. Michael Moore, he said, wait, no, I'm going to pretend that he said something without food in his mouth. He said, I just love the whole fuck Trump opening to the Olympics last night. From all Koreans coming in together under one blue flag of peace to Pence and, quote, mother, end quote, forced to sit in front of Kim's sister to the popular Korean singers joining together to sing John Lennon's Imagine. Boom. Okay, first Imagine. Fucking commie song. I don't know what it is with the word Lennon, but it does seem to make people uh, a little bit on the red side. It is a total fucking commie song. I just wanted to point that out. No property, no God, centralized ownership. It is a fucking commie anthem rag of shitness. And the fact that people play it when they wish to be something peaceful, it's like, no, no, no. You might as well pay the fucking international and step on the heads of the kulaks. So, yeah. I tweeted out that I'm not surprised one morbidly obese propagandist would so love another one. Here's the thing. If you want peace in between the Koreas, the reason there isn't peace is because the great leader Kim Il-sung invaded in 1950 and at one point had 95% of the uh, peninsula under his control. The only reason that there's any state of war in, in, in the Korean peninsula is specifically because of North Korea. Even China has no uh, war machinations toward the Korean peninsula. So this, the, I mean, they, obviously they want their power and so on and so forth. That's a very far cry from we're going to invade they sent agents to south korea many times of the years the south korean first lady was assassinated i mean th- there's all I, I, there's all sorts of uh uh, uh kidnappings that they have uh, they, they've ca- captured many agents uh, um over the years so it's just absolutely crazy to be like oh it's just a little disagreement it's a war dictatorship in the north and then you have one of the most prosperous countries in the world in the south for fuck's sake yeah. Well, they don't, they don't, and I remember this when I was growing up with East and West Berlin, Mike, they don't like these controlled experiments side by side, because they couldn't say with East and West Berlin, well, you see, West Berlin, which was the capitalist sliver inside of the the communist hellhole of, of East Germany, they can't say, well, it was colonialism, well, it's racism, because it's the same ethnic group. You know, one under communism, one under the free market. And the fact that South Korea has 35 times the GDP of North Korea, they can't say, well, it's it's colonial exploitation because it's not. And they can't say, well, it's racism because they're the same race. They don't like these two experiments of free market and communism, which has a whole bunch of variables taken out of it, because that really does show just how shitty uh, and violent and murderous the, um, the communist system really is. So they have to... Uh, throw a lot of shade and smoke on that shit. What, what were their big excuses for back in the day? 
Oh, um, well, of course, it was the fact that the, the West uh, was, was starving the resources, the fact that smart people were lied to about propaganda and got out and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, okay. they basically didn't like talking about it much at all. But, of course, they would blame capitalist uh, boycotts and shit like that for as to why. Uh, but they didn't really have much. So they just didn't like talking about it very much at all. Right. All right. What else do we have going on here? So I want to point this out because it's not just one or two outlets. And also remember, nothing, nothing of this import gets from the writer's brain to the web without a bunch of layers. Like, without a bunch of layers. It's happening all over uh, in the mainstream media, and it's going through multiple layers to get out to the general public. So this is not just, don't ever think of this as a writer. This is an entire organizational imperative. Nobody's going to tweet or or write positively about a dictator unless they're either explicitly or implicitly getting approval from those above them. You know, I mean, if you go right out, if you go tweet positively about Hitler, you're gone, like 10 minutes, right? So nobody does that. I mean, nobody's sane and nobody moral. But these guys are doing, this is not just a little writer who's like, oh, I'm going to be edgy and I'm going to like be stupid. And no, they're doing this. Nobody's getting fired. No, they, they, with the explicit or implicit approval of the entire organization. And it either has gone through layers or they know for sure it's going to be approved of. So don't think of this as just a writer. This is the whole fucking deal. This is everyone in the building. I just really, and especially people who don't quit over this shit. I just really want to point, do not individualize this. So Reuters. North Korea judged winner of diplomatic gold at Olympics. And, and, ooh, you'll see this kind of shitty language all over the place where they say, some people say that, or there are perceptions are that, or, you know, the general impression is like, no, this is just your fucking ideas. This is not some, you haven't surveyed a whole bunch of people. This is just, you want to say this, but you don't want to say, I think. So you say the general perception is North Korea judged winner of diplomatic gold. By who? This is like, this is just your opinion that you're pretending. BuzzFeed. Uh, don't be fooled by North Korea's Winter Olympics charm offensive. And again, we, we put that in there as a notable exception. Uh, Newsweek, I guess taking a break from having their service stripped out of their building by the FB fucking I, says uh, North Korea using Winter Olympics to fuel online reunification propaganda. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Reunification. What a joy that would be. Now, these cheerleaders. Dear fucking God above, Mike. Did you see this, this grid girls thing where there are these attractive women uh, in the Formula One uh, racing uh, arena that uh, these grid girls come up and, and they're pretty and they, they facilitate and I guess they're kind of like um, MCs, so to speak, right? And uh, because feminists hate attractive women and it's fundamentally biological warfare against good gene sets, uh, they force these women out of their occupations. Because nothing spells feminism like telling other women what they can and can't do with their own bodies and, and looks. And so on the one side, you can't be a grid girl, you can't be, but these North Korean cheerleaders, what do they say? ABC News. North Korea's 200-plus cheerleaders steal spotlight at 2018 Winter Olympics with matching outfits, synchronized chants. Can I, can I say one th- more thing? Please. I bet all those articles, that headline that you just read, I will bet everything I have will be translated into Korea, yep. broadcast to North Korea, and say, look, we're not making this up. The R West, what, they talk all the time. They make things up. They say, oh, there was this movie we made, Sea of Blood. And when we played it in London, everyone was stamping their feet, and they've never seen a reaction like this. And here are the movie reviews. It's all made up. Here they're not making it up. 
They can say, look, according to this paper right here, this Western paper, our cheerleaders were the best in the world. Everyone was enthralled by them. We are awesome. And you know who made us awesome? It's the leader, Kim Jong-un. It was his idea to have this happen. Here's the proof. And they wouldn't be lying. Oh, open fucking collusion with dictatorship. Absolutely. The mainstream media is an ideological occupying force, which are amplifying and supporting dictatorship that slaughter people by the millions. Can't you put it anymore. And anybody who advertises with these fuckers and anybody who supports these fuckers and anybody who links to these fuckers, you're complicit too. I tweeted out that collusion with Russia is treason, but collusion with North Korea is journalism. Well said. The ti- time says, time's up, man. Time says, cheer up. North Korean cheerleaders ratify unified women's hockey team during 8-0 loss. Just cheerleaders, man. They're not like slaves terrified of being gang raped and beheaded should they not put in a good job. The New York Times. There's this, there's, well, let me just say one more thing. There's this picture that's been going around with a, a group of the North Koreans in, 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 in South Korea. They have these masks that they cut out and put in front of their faces and they all have the same mask, right? North Korea has what they boast about called the monolithic ideological system. Monolith, that means one. Mono means one, rail means rail. Uh, the monolithic ideological system means... Our goal explicitly is to have everyone in North Korea thinking with one mind, and that mind is the mind of what was then the great leader Kim Il-sung. It is by law and explicitly their goal to eliminate all independent thought within the entire country, and they're bragging about how good they are getting there, to getting everyone to think in the exact same way. It is unconscionable to think what that means in practice. Synchronized chants and matching outfits and unified. New York Times. Oh, never, never wanted to back down from praising an unholy, godforsaken dictatorship. The New York Times. The North Korean Army of Beauties cheered on the unified Korean women's hockey team. This is an army of beauties. Well, at least I guess they got the word army in there. Yeah. But that's about it. NBC Olympics. This is so satisfying to watch. (laughs) Keep your hands where I can see them. NBC Olympics, Wall Street Journal. Oh, remember? Remember how terrible PewDiePie was for even including a clip of Hitler uh, satirically? Wall Street Journal. The North Korean cheer squad's presence was impossible for even skaters to ignore. Oh, yeah, you know, I I could probably rip off some pretty good cheers too if the alternative was that my family was shot in the back of a head and thrown into a shallow grave. Sweet mother of God. Henry Wallace, who was, I don't remember if this is when he was vice president, when he was secretary of agriculture under FDR, he visited Stalinist Russia. They took him to a gulag. They didn't say it was a gulag. The prisoners put on a play for him, a song and dance. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is great. And he had like a picture from it that he hung on his wall till the day he died. This is the exact same thing, except instead of him coming there, they're coming to him. Like, hey, look at us. We could put on a show. We can dance. Happy, happy, happy. It's, It's the fucking Smurf village, right? Well, and the Potemkin village, uh, Walter Durante of the New York Times got a Pulitzer for covering up yep. Stalin's mass uh, crimes and executions. And, like, I, I really want people to understand this. And, and you know, tell me if, if this is going too far. I think it's a solid point. Let me know what you think. The shit that's going on in North Korea is infinitely worse than slavery. Infinitely worse than slavery. Slavery was a godforsaken moral abomination, but slaves got to keep 70 or 80% of the products. Uh, and they also, the slave owners wished to keep them healthy and strong in order for them to work. And this, uh, what occurred in slavery, there were no gulags for slaves. There was no mass starvation of slaves. There was brutality and there was uh, confinement and it was moral, uh, horrible and moral, uh, immoral and unjust. But the death 
count for slaves in the West and maybe not so in, in the Middle East. But the death count for slaves <laughs> was far lower than the death count under Stalinist uh, camps, uh, under North Korean uh, concentration camps. This is far worse than slavery. Now, can you imagine if this was a slave sports team, if, if they had no uh, freedom, if they were bought and sold like cattle, like some of the 20 million odd slaves that still exist in the world. If this was a slave team and people were praising all of this slavery and all of this slave team and saying, wow, the slave owner is really, really fucking charming and, and wonderful and mysterious and, and evocative and, and she's throwing shade at her enemies. So she's fabulous. This is far worse than slavery so these people better shut the fuck up about slavery if they're praising this ungodly abomination of a system. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going to make, make those comparisons because these are such abominations that at a certain point, it's, it's kind of like comparing different infinities. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it, it's such an intricate, complex system. The levels of control they have in North Korea from crib to death, uh, it's just... It's I, I mean, that's the reason I wrote my book, so people understand. You know, Rand said errors of this uh, size are never made innocently. It didn't happen overnight. This family has systematically, over the decades, laid layer upon layer upon layer to control the North Korean population, making foreign language materials illegal, uh, kicking out people who studied abroad, sending them to the camps, making sure only people could only speak Korean, things like this. If you're a diplomat and you're, you go abroad in North Korea, your family stays back home to make sure you don't defect. So it is so twisted and almost beautiful in its evil and so perfect in its its depravity. It's it, 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 I... I I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they have no idea just what it's really like and that this isn't like uh, Melania. Tr you know, it's funny. They sp I, I, as I'm speaking, I only realize this now. They speak better of her than of Melania Trump. Melania Trump, remember, she wore those high heels to go to see some uh, uh, disaster zone or whatever. And they were like, oh, my God, look at this bitch. Whereas here in, in South Korea, it's like, oh, my God, look at this bitch. The way she looks at Mike Pence. We hate Mike Pence. This is awesome. It's it, it, I, I, I'm out of words. I yeah. don't really know what to no, say. No, see, you can be an unholy bitch who presides over the slaughter of millions and they'll fucking love you. But you try ordering one extra scoop of ice cream. Oh, man, that's fucking that's a bridge too far. We got a moral compass. Jesus, we got standards. We'll throw. And, and did you see Lester Holt? NBC's Lester Holt went to a luxury ski resort in Masikryong, North Korea. And he was, uh, yeah, the atmosphere, the upcoming Olympics. It's wonderful. It's great. It's exciting. They're thrilled. They're excited. They're uh, doing fucking on the ground North Korean propaganda. Straight up. Straight up and and. Fuck, I mean, do, do these people, I guess they have no clue how the rest of the world, well, first of all, the rest of the world looks at America like it's going insane and committing seppuku right there on the world stage. Because everybody knows, certainly if you're not in America and you're not hysterical and you've got half a fucking common sense uh, brain cell rolling around in your ca skull cavity, you know that the Russia collusion story is bullshit. So they see the mainstream media in the United States attempting to uh, favor, to overturn, to to undermine a legitimate presidency, which makes them fucking treasonous uh, from, from a media standpoint. They see them giving massive praise to these dictatorships. They see them attacking a previous ally like uh, uh, the Great Britain and so on. And they see, so from the outside, it is very damaging and dangerous to the image and any conceivable respect 
that people have for America. How is the American press viewed by people overseas who know a shitload more about North Korea, even than the mainstream media as a whole, maybe not than you who's been there, but certainly more than me? How is it that they look and what kind of, what kind of use are they making of the First Amendment? They have the freedom to say whatever they want. And this is the shit that they're putting out. It is astonishing what it does to the image of America around the world. Uh, I mean, I don't really know that I have anything to add to what you just said. I, I mean, I agree completely. And like I said earlier in the show, and, and, and you agreed, many, many lefties throughout the world especially are very against things like this. They're very big on human rights. So to see, you know, one of the big attacks on America from a European perspective is that we're glib, we're shallow, it's the Kardashians, it's this plasticky country, right? And is there any more pure example of this than this kind of reporting? The vapidity, the shallowness, the just complete dropping of context of who this woman is and treating her, like you said, just like any other celebrity, it's just from a reporting perspective is also uh, pointless. And, and uh, you don't talk about someone's shoes when their hands are covered in blood. You don't talk about how someone is giving uh, the vice president side eye when her job is propaganda. That's literally her job title, propaganda and agitation. Well, it's it's not too shocking, I guess, when you think about the, the kismet of it or, or the karma of it. I guess it's not too shocking, Mike, that these guys are having difficulty criticizing a totalitarian propaganda minister. Huh. <laughs> right, Interesting. Yeah. It, it's almost like looking in the mirror and <laughs> being unable to criticize your own appearance. It is strange. But of course, this is what they do. I mean, and this is this kind of stuff that they like. And it's really, really important to remember this. Like when I said earlier that they are uh, an enemy occupying force ideologically, very dangerous people, very dangerous people. They are people who are baying for civil war. They are people who are baying for race war. They are people who are baying for massive conflicts within their own society. And uh, this kind of uh, violence that, that erupts within societies takes years of propaganda to set the stage for it doesn't just come out of nowhere just wake up hating people you know like you in terms of like how conservatives are hated or white males are hated or or libertarians are hated uh, sometimes justly it would seem today but uh this this kind of propaganda takes years to layer in this is just another brick in the wall that divides us from each other and this is some seriously dangerous linguistic shit yeah they're free to say it of course i mean fair, first amendment absolutely free speech they're free to say it but dear god dear god you you have to understand that supporting these people is highly dangerous. Yes, they're free to say what they say. But the fact that they're lying and covering up for this kind of dictatorship should mean that you give them not one penny of ad revenue, not one penny of eyeball revenue. And if you see people in your life, friends, family, colleagues, you see people in your life consuming this shit, you see that web page, you see them on that channel, tell them to turn that shit off. Like we have to starve this beast. We have to let the free market work in terms of ostracism and boycotting. Because if well, these people continue to get eyeballs, continue to get ad revenue, continue to get clicks, well, we all know where that leads in the long run. And it's, it's a terrible, terrible place. Well, you just made a couple of things that I want to mention. You talk about ostracism boycotts, which is are peaceful mechanisms for affecting social change. 
one of the things, let's talk about the libertarians. There is a small fringe of certain libertarians who think by condemning gulags, condemning North Korea, that is somehow making you a, a, making me a neocon or playing into the neocon's hands. It's like if you are criticizing, uh, you criticize people who beat their kids, you want peaceful parenting. Well, that's not a predecessor to state control of children <laughs> and, and, and public education. And let if me, sorry, I, and hold I, your thought. I just wanted to, I have the quote here yeah. just so people know what we're talking about. So I tweeted today, wouldn't it be nice if we could at least agree that North Korea is a shithole, right, relative to the alleged, I don't think it's true comments that Trump may have made about other countries. Now, the executive director of the Ron Paul Institute, Daniel McAdams, called me, I'm, I'm talking about a murderous communist, ex-communist dictatorship, that is a shithole. Well, it is a shithole, and in fact, that's, that's an insult to shitholes, because at least shitholes are good places to put your shit. That's so, why I always say hellhole. Yeah, yeah, hellhole. So poverty, hellhole is worse. So after I said, yeah, can we at least agree that North Korea is a shithole, which is in response to the media praising this, this horrifying witch, the executive director of the Ron Paul Institute, Daniel McAdams, wrote back, neocon war-enabling dipshit. Okay, first of all, Danny, Danny boy, not an argument, dude. And um, does not, you know, saying that a, a dictatorship which murders millions of people and destabilizes world peace and, and all of that, yeah, it's a shithole. That does not mean wage war on it. I mean, come on. Are we going to say then that every single time that libertarians criticize the Fed, they're actually talking about firebombing the building? I don't think so. Pretty sure they're not. You can criticize something without wanting to initiate the use of force against it. So I and, tweeted and back, best- are you defending North Korea's vile concentration camps oh. in an official capacity as executive director of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity? Or is defending murderous totalitarian regimes just something you do on weekends? Because that's, I mean, I don't even know. Like, that's a long way from the libertarianism that I knew. And, and for me, the biggest response to the neocon philosophy is to humanize the populations. Because it's a lot harder to advocate bombing an entire country when you realize these are prisoners and slaves. All of a sudden, it's it's like, wait a minute, this is what war actually means, killing innocent people, killing families. So this is the best possible way to fight uh, neocon warmongering is to point out that these the first victims wouldn't be the Kim family. It would be the people in the camps who are told we will kill you all and burn these camps down and the civilians. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is it horrible. And there used to be a very strong streak in libertarianism of uh, being vocal, very vocal in your criticism of totalitarian hellholes. And to say that North Korea is a totalitarian hellhole and the idea that that simply cannot be allowed is uh, astonishing. I mean, I, I guess this is why uh, uh, Ron Paul is not invited to speak at conventions, libertarian conventions anymore. And I guess they're going to have to abandon Rand now, Ayn Rand, because Ayn Rand, of course, was very critical of totalitarian hellholes like Stalinist Russia. Uh, so I guess she now also becomes a neocon, war-enabling dipshit. And uh, I mean, it's it's terrible. It, it's a real, uh, really lazy and I think cowardly fundamentally approach to things. Of course, we have to criticize uh, these places. I'm not saying that uh, the North Korean people are crappy. I have massive sympathy. I mean, it is the old thing, you know, there, but for the grace of God, so to speak, go yes. you or I. If you or I just happen to be born there, we might pass out from hunger on a train track and then have ma- repeated amputations with no um, anesthetic and have to walk uh, 6,000 miles to, to freedom. Uh, then- I, I, and I was born there. I was born in the f- former Soviet Union. And my family had to go through this, you know, over, over the years. So, you know, look, 
if you don't want to care about gulags as a libertarian, if you don't want to care about complete deprivation of human rights, that's your prerogative. But don't begrudge me my concern with 25 million people who are held as prisoner for no reason. You want to worry about marginal tax rates and make that your issue. More power to you. <laughs> well, that's nicer than I would be, but that's all right. You're a very nice person. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you you dropping in. Uh, just for those who know, um, I mean, this is a sort of sudden show, which Mike was very kind to accommodate. Uh, do do check out Mike's book, Dear Reader, The Unauthorized Autobiography of King Kim Jong-il. It's a great book. Check out Mike's uh, excellent podcast, You're Welcome, Why You Are Welcome. MichaelMalice.com, CompoundMedia.com. I appreciate your time today, brother. It was really, really a great chat. Thank you for letting thanks. me <gasps> vent. Yes, thank you so much.